This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. In collaboration with Australian Jewish News, check them out at ajn.timesofisrael.com. Also in collaboration with Arutz Sheva, israelnationalnews.com. In 2014, Vanessa Lapa had just released her new documentary film, The Decent One, about the lost diaries of SS commander Heinrich Himmler. Diaries which miraculously landed in her hands. The film was a huge international success, and after years and years of thorough research, archive deep dives, and a life that revolved around Himmler, Lapa thought it was probably time to move on and put the Nazis where they belonged on the shelves of history. But fate had other plans for her. During one of the screenings of The Decent One in New York, an old Jew approached Lapa with an extraordinary offer, which eventually led to her new documentary, Speer Goes to Hollywood. Just when she thought she was out, they pulled her back in. Albert Speer was one of the closest men to Hitler. His minister of arms and the mastermind architect behind Nazi grand architecture. Speer Goes to Hollywood is premiering worldwide. In New York, it'll be in theaters on October 29th in the Film Forum. In L.A. on November 5th, uh, the film won Best Director in the Jerusalem Film Fest. Highly, highly recommended. Noor and I both watched it. It's a great film. And we have the great privilege today of hosting Vanessa Lapa on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Thank you for having me. So we'll start, first of all, with uh, with our our mugs, which you guys can find on online on 2NJB.com slash merch. Guys, if you like these mugs, there's a nice little nice Jewish boy mug and a BDS tears mug. You got to get your own. So check them out. 2NJB.com slash merch. So we watched a film. And it was very touching, very disturbing, even. Um, how do we begin? So, so why don't you tell the story of the, the guy who approached you at the screening? What, how did this all start? At the Film Forum in New York, Stanley Cohen told me, do you have more of the correspondence between Heinrich Himmler and Albert Speer in your research? And I said yes, and he started to send me emails every few months, and I kind of denied the emails. And then after eight months, Tomer did a meeting with him, and he told us about the Paramount story, and he asked me to contact Andrew Birkin, the scriptwriter of of the Paramount film, which mm-hmm. I did, and. Three months later, I went to meet Andrew Birkin. Who is the guy who wrote, who was supposed to write the screenplay, and he had the recordings of him and Exactly. Speer. So you got tipped off that those tapes exist, essentially. Yes. But how, does Co- how did Cohen know about those tapes? Because he's a, a retired lawyer, and he did meet, meet Speer in the 70s, and he's the lawyer who sold the rights to Paramount to write the script. Uh-huh. 
and the, but the rights to the tapes were still Birkin's rights or was it Paramount's rights or in every country in every state it's different so you know the rights are ours it is of historical importance which is above all rights mm-hmm. and who kept them and for some reason that I believe was really important for him he waited for someone to hear everything because after he interviewed Sper he did keep he could also not have kept those tapes so he did keep the tapes and when I went to see him he immediately shared the tapes with me and the content of the tapes so I think he deeply felt that those tapes shall be heard so let, let's go back a second first of all for our listeners maybe who is Spear in, in a few uh, in a few words and what, what how how did he end up living to the 70s because you know to the 80s to even. the 80s actually yeah Esper began as the architect of the Third Reich and then Hitler appointed him to be the Minister of Armament and he was a brilliant producer and although he knew that the war was lost after Stalingrad, he managed to put a huge production and to, to make the war last another two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And then at the Nuremberg trials? And at the Nuremberg trials, he managed to get out with 20 years of prison, which is mind-blowing because he managed to charm the judges at Nuremberg. I believe that beside the fact that he was differently and more charming than most of the Nazis. He spoke three languages. He used to quote, you know, Voltaire and Malraux and Goethe. During the Nuremberg, the Nuremberg trials took place three weeks before the Cold War started. And Sper, who was the Minister of Armament, he did convinced the German scientists to give their knowledge to the Americans and not to the Russians. Mm -hmm. Uh So I believe that this was a factor. Tipped the scales in his favor. But which to me at the end of the day says something about the juridical system mm-hmm. of our days so he ended up getting a 20 uh, year sentence did he did he uh, serve the entire 20 years he did and then i guess in uh, in 65 he was 66, released 66 yes. he was released and he lived out his life until eight, late 80s right 81 ah the early 80s so another 15 years um and then uh basically the film tell us maybe give us in in short the story of the film like what is the premise of this documentary? I think that the premise of the documentary is that, you know, although historians and biographers and people that are smarter and bigger than me, for some reason fell into his charm, to me from the first or second moment, I don't believe a word 
of what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And when in the film you see that he's saying that if he wouldn't feel any guilt, he wouldn't appear. I don't believe a word of what he's saying. I think that the only thing that he's saying, he's seeing is himself. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about anyone. When in the film, there is this Mephisto moment where, you know, attracted to the devil. I'm not sure that Hitler is a biggest, bigger devil than he is. Mm-hmm. I did a film about Heinrich Himmler. If yeah. I had to choose to be in the line of Heinrich Himmler or of Albert Speer, I would have choose to be in the line of Heinrich Himmler. How come? Because you take your clothes off, you enter a shower, and after three minutes, it's over. In the line of Albert Speer, you go through humiliation, labor, hunger, and at the end, you die anyway. And you go through all this humiliation. Mm-hmm. Albert Speer is someone who didn't understand why shall we gas so many Jews and human beings when they are strong and they can be a working force. Mm-hmm. And Although let's... many of the survivors today uh, that still left, but even those who already died, many of them worked in forced labor, but then survived and, survive. and, and then formed a family. So there's also that, right? I agree with you, but if you and I would sit with them for dinner, I'm not sure that they mental, you know, that they, sure. they, they mental and emotional and human suffer, at least to me, something that I don't think I could have bared. It's also, I mean, it's like Himmler uh, famously or infamously released, I think, 1,200 Jews at the end of the Holocaust in some uh, in the end of the world world war ii in some bid to try and with, to try and get out and he had negotiations with the red cross right and he tried so to make a deal with uh bernadotte yes with the cons bernadotte yes. yes um and and i don't think i would put any of those lives to his merit right <laughs> it's not like totally. uh, but I, I just want to go back a second because I'm not sure it's clear to our audience the kind of what happens in the film. So the, the film is about these this these these secret recordings between Speer and this this screen uh, this uh, scriptwriter, right? Yes. Uh, his name Birkin. again, Andrew, Andrew Birkin, Birkin, who apparently was like a Kubrick's uh, uh, Wonder Protégé. Boy protege. Um, and they have these recordings where he's interviewing Speer in order to make a film for Paramount, right? Yes. About Speer's life. Speer had written an autobiography, which had sold in the millions, and and then he wanted to turn that into sort of a, a movie about himself. It's not him. It's Paramount Studios in Hollywood who wanted yeah. to make a film based on the book. They actually were the ones to reach out to him. Yes. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Uh, weren't there Jews there all over the top in Paramount? Yes. So, uh, wh- I mean... pretty weird. Listen, on the one hand, I believe that, you know, uh, a character like Albert Speer, the, the best friend of, Heinrich, of uh, Adolf Hitler, is interesting to listen to, and that he should be able to to write a book and to publish and to be interviewed. What is 
unbearable to me is that until today there is no preface to the book he wrote. So I can understand that Paramount Studios want to make a film based on his book. What I cannot understand is that it's not a documentary film like we did that is questioning mm -hmm. what Albert Speer is writing in his memoirs. His accounts. His account. Yeah. On the contrary, I mean, to me, the most disturbing thing in the movie is not Speer, it's Birkin, who is willingly, who is an, an accomplice in this plot to re reshape history. Willingly, it seems, I mean, that's my impression, my personal interpretation. He willingly uh, takes part in the fabrication of history. Yeah, there's so many, like, creepy quotes there where he wants, where he even says... Uh, I don't think facts really even matter. No, and he goes, uh, <laughs> no, that's maybe not Mounthausen. Maybe you want, like, he's so, he, he, he got into this mental state of complete, uh, sub, sub, sub uh, like, he's it's almost like Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Submissive. I, I agree with you, but I have to say that let's not forget that Andrew Birkin was 26 years old. And when judges at Nuremberg got caught by the charm of Speer, how can you expect of a young guy not to fall into his charm? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we anal analyze it, I think that the problem is probably for big for the media in general, whether it is film or news, for financial reasons to cooperate blindly with publicists and with perpetrators without giving it any context, because it's very easy to send a 26-year-old guy and interview Albert Speer. I mean, how can he not fall into the charm of this yeah, super this. charming... Did he ever, when you talk he to him... He made him a pudding. I mean, you know. Yeah, he made, <laughs> he made lunch. Uh, but did you talk to him? Like, he is still yes. alive? Yes. So uh, does he regret his approach in retrospect? I, I think that he's... The very fact that he gave us those 40 hours of audio mm -hmm. means that he feels that those shall be heard to the world and that he regrets that he wasn't tough enough versus Speer. Um, was there evidence? Because at, at the beginning of the movie, there's a bit where you say that, you know, more conclusive evidence was re released after the Nuremberg trials, was there evidence that was more conclusive as to Speer's uh, um, knowledge of the crimes and the, of the, you know, the Holocaust and the atrocities themselves? Specifically regarding Speer, not. I think that the film is quite revealing enough evidence against him, but I think that you know, although most of the people may not agree with the sentence that Sperger got, that he didn't get the death sentence. 
we should remember that the Nuremberg trials led by the American took place six or seven months after the end of the war and they didn't have time to gather all the evidence but they did the best they can they still weren't living in a world where holocaust equals six million jews uh murdered right i mean they they were they had the atrocities kind of were coming out but it wasn't like as it i guess is to us as clear as it is to us that the holocaust was the systematic murder of six million jews or was it I agree with you and I will add to that that to me the Holocaust or the Second World War is beyond six million Jews. Mm-hmm. I mean almost eighty million human beings were killed. Yeah. And without someone like Albert Speer, at least thirty millions would have been spared. Okay, not the six million Jews, but 30 millions human beings, whether they are Russians or Germans, would have, their life would have been spared if not someone so smart and so effective as Albert Speer. But I mean, the problem I have with that is that you could say that about either side, right? You could say that in a war machine, there's always people that are driving the war machine and on either side of the war machine, uh, there's people driving it, and 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 war leads to, especially the world wars, but World War Two more than any led to countless deaths, and and to me there's a there's a famous part I think of the Nuremberg trials where Goering stands up and he says, if we had won the war, you guys would be standing here and not me, and there's truth to that if we look at just the war machine and the fact that you know people are fighting people. But the Holocaust is kind of, I guess, the most ex- like extraordinary example of how the two sides are not equal, right? And how one war machine was maybe, you know, wh- whatever you have to say about war was a little bit more just, <laughs> a lot more just than the other side. I agree with you. And from the research, I can tell you that Speer and Goering were the biggest enemies in Spando prison and you know, they had to split, the, the guards had to split between them. They couldn't even have lunch together. And coming back to, to the Holocaust and the Jews, I do agree with you that there was a systematic, specific hate against the Jews that is unusual. I wonder what's the worst criticism you got about the film from you know your friends and family who saw it and now you guys uh, had the first premiere uh, I don't know if there was enough time for you to hear any criticism in Israel there's always yeah. enough time for <laughs> sure someone immediately came up to you yeah. exactly so there were very few screenings and we got only very very good reactions yesterday at a screening in Israel there was this woman who was crying and screaming at me and she told me how did you dare showing Albert Speer as a human being and I said the everything I have is archival material and original audio so I'm showing him just the way he was and she said he's a monster and he's not a human being so I was I tried 
to tell her that he's a human being who did monstrous choices, but he's a human being like you and me. And to her, it is something that she couldn't grasp. And she was crying and screaming. Was she a survivor or was she... Daughter of survivor. Daughter of survivor. So there's kind of the, the inherited trauma. I guess. On the other hand, three weeks ago, there was a, a survivor who told me that this is yeah. the best and most amazing film about the Second World War that he ever saw. Yeah. Did you have qualms about about doing a film? Like, I mean, you had previously done it about Himmler, so maybe the question's more fitting for that film. But just in general, do, do you have qualms about creating films like these about these people? I think it's extremely important but I, because I think that those people are people like you and us, you and me, and that they are all over in every country in every political system and without realizing how human and how like you and me they are, history will repeat itself. Mm -hmm. I, to go back to that uh, ladies critic criticism, I agree with you completely. I, I really, I don't uh, subscribe to that, to those who say um, that those, those weren't people. I mean, I think it's, it's a dangerous thought right, to, to say those weren't humans because that's the whole point that they were. Um, but don't, don't you feel like when Israelis see such a movie, right, uh, we're very educated relatively about the Holocaust. I do wonder, though, if someone who knows very little about the Holocaust, how he might um, experience that film because... In the end, you gotta you gotta make compromises, right? How much context do I give? How much? Um, so that that might be a challenge uh, for I'll you. I'll give you that one. I agree, and although I'm the director of the film, I agree, and I think that this isn't the first Holocaust film that someone shall see, and if it's the first one, this shall be you know, Q&A or an introduction and then an explanation. Hmm. But this is my, these are my artistic choices, not to have talking heads, not to have survivors on the one hand and historians on the other hand, you know, survivors say, telling their stories and historians saying that those people were the bad guys. And it's difficult to grasp and I agree with you, it shouldn't be the first Holocaust film to see in high school. I have a like a technical question, but the voices, it, the most of the voices is not actually their voices. It's it's uh, dubbed, right? And wh why why do you make that choice? For two reasons. After Tomer, the sound designer, Tomer Eliav, um, cleaned or tried to clean those recordings from... 45 years ago in order for us, you know, the content team to understand what has been said. He managed to do it at, up to a certain extent. But you need to understand that those discussions took place over three months and they start the discussion 
like we are now with the tape recorder and then let's assume we are going on the terrace but the tape recorder still stands at the same place and then we are going to the kitchen and then we are going out to have a drink or for lunch and then we take the tape to the car and then there are a lot of birds mm. so it's just impossible if it was five minutes of the film it would have been okay but for 90 minutes it's just you know I see. it yeah. takes all the the experience out but what i can tell you and i stand behind it and i can give it to you to listen is that every breath every laugh every word is 100% accurate and intuitions also everything so you gave the actor the line and he needed to more or less it's deeper than that we 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 looked for a not famous actor that was that is today the same age that Sper was when he spend the time with Andrew that is coming from the same area with the same accent and he spent five months learning you know the character and listening to the audio and only then he came to Israel to record and th- how long did it take you to to record them five days six days It's amazing because yeah. honestly I, I you hear one his on one yes. every breath it feels, it, yeah because you hear his you hear Spears actual voice in the film from other interviews in the beginning and then you hear this and we didn't realize until the end that it yeah. wasn't actually his voice yeah you also don't re- you're also playing a trick by not revealing it in the beginning <laughs> <laughs> and I I came out as an idiot because Ethan was like hey th- those are the uh, the real recordings and I'm like of course they are uh, and no, then y- I felt like an idiot no the, uh, you're not an idiot <laughs> you're don't not tell an- him that <laughs> <laughs> no you're not an idiot at all and the artistic director of the Berlin Film Festival he's the one who told me put the The voice thing at the end mm-hmm. because it is so accurate and everything is so documentary for the viewer it only immensify it meant either yeah. the, if you would have put it in the beginning mm. it distances right. but there is no reason to distance because I heard the original and I trust you and I know how accurate it is so there is no reason to this mm-hmm. to be distantify it's you know for yeah. the film can you tell us like about the first time you you get the recordings and you start listening what does it how feel refined. like how refined did you get them okay you tell us the situation so you met with Birkin it took you a few times to- I met with Birkin for 24 hours and I heard Sperr five minutes and It then gave you like a teaser okay and the teaser was strong enough to ask me for more and then during those 24 hours I heard another 10 minutes and then I just asked him to hear everything by that time you you realize you're going to make a movie immediately it's you had no it, choice basically no choice because on the one hand the curiosity the the human curiosity is And on the other hand, uh, the responsibility that there must be something there that the world shall know. 
mm-hmm. because it's so it's, then you take the tapes or immediately or the, the, you get them later within a few days we started a cooperation he was uploading the tape Tomer was cleaning them I with two researchers were transcribing and mm-hmm. then calling Andrew and asking him for the parts that were not clear because the cleaning you know, it's tapes that were done 45 years ago mm-hmm. and it's it's 40 hours 40 hours okay and wow. out of the 40 hours I guess we hear in the movie like less than minutes. an hour yeah mm, um, 90 minutes so what are some of the interesting parts that were left out it's amazing that you're asking this to me because yesterday Udi Segal, the, the anchorman of uh, Channel 13, asked me the same thing. To me, the most interesting part that was left out is all the part about Leni Riefenstahl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the we reason- studied film in film school in year one. They show us uh, winning of the, how do you call it in English? We, uh, of the, the will. triumph of, of the, the will. will. Yeah. Triumph of the and you will. learn it in film school. So what what did he have to say about because Lenny? the re- the reason that it was left that you know I decided to leave it out is because you know you are a film student and you are a film student, but you need to explain who is Lenny Riefenstahl, and without having the necessary background on Lenny Riefenstahl. You cannot understand up to what extent what he's saying to Andrew about Leni Riefenstahl is amazing. And from what I know, there are two characters in film that you don't have to explain. And it's Jesus and Adolf Hitler. Mm -hmm. And all the other ones you have to explain. And to explain, Leni Riefenstahl would have taken another 35 minutes. What does he say about her, though? To those who don't know, she was the filmmaker of and of Hitler, basically. They were very close. They were very close friends. He's talking. He's telling Andrew. How close? <sighs> who knows? The one million dollar question. He says that one day he got to her home and she was with a a suit that was half open and he was attracted. But on the other hand, she had some lesbians attraction. They were close. Professionally, they were close. The gussy part of, you know, what he's saying to Andrew is interesting to you and to me, but to the wide audience. Does he talk about like, because what is his his creation, the buildings, they would have been worth so much less without her. Right, because she... so this is their professional cooperation, and obviously she filmed and helped him to you know to create and yeah. yeah. But again, I don't think that in the film you need to know who Leni Riefenstahl mm-hmm. is to understand how a megaloman he was. You know, with the shots that you see when Andrew is asking him. What is the average man supposed to feel when he is in your buildings? And Albert Speer is saying, nothing. No one needs to know. No one cares about the average man. Exactly. We're dealing with more than average men. 
Wow. wow yeah that's intense so it's chilling it's a chilling movie yeah oh and oh, and and to th- and to think about the the whole premise of a film that should have been made that's also very creepy the whole idea of making such a film and yet he came from hollywood so how did this crumble you don't really explain in the, in the movie how did this project crumble in the end we don't do we know you know we don't know exactly because the people who were then are not alive anymore. Birkin. Birkin is but Birkin was the scriptwriter who was commissioned mm-hmm. by a production company in London who was commissioned by Paramount. Some guy with half a brain walked into the room and was like, You guys are what? <laughs> and then it ended. Totally. And I tried we, we looked, we have the contract and we looked uh-huh. for, you know, it was Frank Lablans, if Frank Yablans and other people, they are dead today. So no one can know exactly. I know that Paramount wanted to make a film and I understand that, you know, let's imagine today that Igal Amir who murdered Itrek Rabin is out of prison. If you're a big studio, wouldn't you want to make a film about him? Question mark. What to you me, would, but you wouldn't have his Igal Amir, yeah, write the script. <laughs> I agree. I, I couldn't agree more. First and of I all, hope... because it would suck. No, Obviously. but there is def- there's plenty of biopics that are about evil men, and I, I think agree. that are really interesting and, and great movies. But, but yeah, you don't have the evil men write the movie themselves. I totally agree. I can just... You know, imagine and on the other hand, understand that they really want to do it. But at the end of the day, they decided, you know, within three months, they decided not to do it. So most probably they realized that although it may be a big blockbuster, they shouldn't really, you know, Paramount shouldn't really produce a film based on Albert Speer memoirs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were right. Yeah. And and the screenplay, did you read it? Both yes. versions? Yes. Because in the end, the two can I, it's a little spoiler. I don't think it's such a big spoiler when he says no one should read the original draft, Speer says. says. So d- you read the, okay. I read both. And it's available, I guess, in their internet or, or something. No? This I don't know. Okay. I know that I have both. And I know that the difference between the first one and the second one, besides the changes that Speer is doing with Andrew, is that in Speer's book, the Poznan scene with Heinrich Himmler and the Matthausen scene is not written. So Andrew did manage to insert in the screenplay of the supposed-to-be film two scenes that are not in Sper memoirs. But it's not good enough. It was not good enough for Paramount, and I agree with Paramount, but at least he managed, although he's, you know, all over Sper, he managed to insert two scenes that are not in Sper memoirs. But the screenplay is, like, bad, I guess. the The original the original the screenplay is reflecting the memoirs okay (laughs) that's very diplomatic (laughs) Um, i don't think that it's a question of good of bad i think it's a question of 
should Hollywood produce a film based on the memoirs of a high-ranking Nazi without any perspective? Did Andrew Birkin write any other films that are maybe well-known to us? The Cement Garden, he did it you know, 20 years later. He was a young... No, he was Stanley Kubrick's protégé. He had the opportunity of his life. He went to spend three months with this charismatic guy, which he was. They were flirting also with the idea of, of Kubrick being involved in the project. Yeah, and even Kubrick said, I won't direct a film where Spurry is not yeah. coming out like... He should come out. Yeah. He cannot come out like the good Nazi. But let's not forget that Sperr managed to convince the judges at Nuremberg. Mm -hmm. So why would we expect for 26... What was his main defense line? That he didn't know, but because now he knows that it happened, he regrets and he's taking responsibility in the name of the German people. Uh-huh. Thank you. Wow. So very, it's very you. kind. It's very, well, I guess that everything is forgotten then. Forgiven and forgotten. Wow, that's yeah. disturbing. Very disturbing. So do you have any idea? I mean, who's next? Goring? Uh, Hitler? That's it. <laughs> You're Unless done with the Nazis? I yeah. hope I am. The the two stories came to me and, you know, out of curiosity and responsibility, I did it. The secret diaries of Hitler, if they fall into your hands, maybe you'll consider it. <laughs> of course, I'll consider it. You know, there is this main question. If Hitler was alive, would you interview him or not? Absolutely. Of course, yes. Yeah. But then I hope I would interview him. Or I know today at my age that I... Will I would have interviewed him in a very tough way, but I think he's worth an interview. Yeah, and I hope that my next film won't be on. Won't be about Nazis. Uh, but what drew you to it? I mean, like, what drew you to Himmler originally? What drew you to do these things? It was just by chance. The story came to me. A professor from Tel Aviv University, a psychiatrist whom I know told me that in Tel Aviv somewhere there is a man who has the Himmler diaries. And out of respect for the professor, I went to see the diaries. And once you see them, the curiosity, I mean, my curiosity, at least as the third generation of Holocaust survivors, what is interesting me more is the perpetrators than to hear again about the victims. And I say again, with, with, with kind of a shame, because I never wanted, you know, I never asked my grandparents and when my mother kept on talking about, you know, the Holocaust and the Jews and the Nazis, I was rebellious against it. So, but... I didn't want to have anything to do with, you know, the victims. And the perpetrators interested me. Hmm. 
That's yeah. interesting. I think it'd be. I think you should stick to it. I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, I don't wish it upon you. You know, I guess it's pretty intense to be stuck in uh, in such vile content for so long. But uh, yeah, did it affect you? Like, did you become a different? I'm not sure if I became a different person, but it did reinforce in me that human beings are not a big hit, (laughs) and that in fact the perpetrators are human beings like you and me who like me and that in today's politics whether are they though like you and me yes and they make choices and i think that the politicians today are people like albert Speer and like heinrich himmler not to say that they're meaning capable I, i think the idea is that we're not equal human beings we're not all necessarily as evil or as good or whatever but we're human beings in the same that we're made up of the same stuff we're not evil at all but we are the same human beings and you and i make human choices and they make monstrous choices but they are not monsters yeah to that i agree but does it doesn't mean that we're the same right what 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 differentiates everything except for the flesh and blood that we all share this is what i mean everything is different yeah choices are different the choices the belief systems the yeah but it's not so i think the idea is that it's not some bolt that's unscrewed right it's Ah, not like i uh, agree they're missing a part of their brain or i don't know yeah you know two weeks ago we were at telluride in colorado and there is this waiter who is a student of cinema and he's volunteering at the festival and he came to see the film. He's 28 years old, Italian, not Jewish. He usually doesn't go to documentary films, but only to fiction films. He came to see Sper Goes to Hollywood and two days later he meets me in the street and he says, Vanessa, I'm so afraid. For the last two days, I'm not sleeping. Because what is remaining with me from the film is the ambition of Sper, is the human side of Sper. Agreed. And uh... I'm asking myself, did I ever in my life hurt someone and he says hurt when Sper killed over 3 million people. Did I hurt someone because I wanted, some, I wanted something so bad that made me hurt someone? That I was willing to overlook the fact that people were suffering because of it, yeah. And to me, it's, you know, the biggest, it's not only the biggest compliment, it's also the biggest reflection because it means that, you know, we we have something to think about as human beings and before we go to vote and before we say something or we decide not to say anything which is a huge problem not to say anything so but i think that that's kind of one of the things noah touched upon earlier that i that i was concerned with when i saw the film is that it kind of does you are li- you're liable to leave the film thinking that Speer was this guy who overlooked the suffering of humans in order to achieve something, 
when in fact it's very possible, and I don't know if there's any evidence, but it's very possible that he was just a sadistic, you know, asshole that just that actually enjoyed hurting others. No, I mean it's hard to imagine that he wasn't. I mean, how anybody who it is who who has Capable. that who has the value system where you know another human suffering is is problematic to them to i guess to, to even visit mauthausen is is going to be a stomach churning you know thing it's it's you're probably vomit profusely afterwards just from the stench right but you know this is the i'm not sure or I don't believe that Albert Speer was looking at himself in the mirror in the morning when he was brushing his teeth and he was asking himself is he's, if he's doing something wrong. No, I don't think he was. I, so I, I don't still think agree. He... I still agree that we're all human. I think that I could be a sadistic asshole. I think that we all can. I think we can all take for joy. For moments. Exactly. We can all enjoy other people's suffering, and I still think it's a matter of choices. But I'm saying maybe he was the, he was so horrendous that he even made the choice to enjoy other people's suffering. And it wasn't just a matter of, I'm not going to think about the three million that I killed because I have ambition, but I actually, he took enjoyment in the deaths of all those people. I agree with you. I don't know, but I'm. I, it's, I, I, it's hard I for me to believe yeah, that someone. I tend to agree with you, and what I told this, you know, this young, amazing guy, I told him, "I'm sure you never killed someone." So he said, "How do you know?" <laughs> so I said, "That's okay. where you walk away." Because you're an Italian, you guys can't win wars. You can't totally. kill anyone. So, so I told him, "Okay, I don't know, but I want to believe, and I do believe that if you killed one person, you didn't kill." A second one. And then he <laughs> said, okay, I rest my case. <laughs> wow. Vanessa, thank you so much. That was really fascinating. The movie's incredible, guys. You have to check it out. Yes. Really. Is there an email like for the company they can reach out to or a website where they can Maybe see? Maybe to do screenings. Yes. Info, I-N-F-O, at RealWorks, R-E-A-L-W-O. O R K S dot B Z. Okay. Well, B Z B Z B Z B from Barbara Z from Zebra. Okay. Because okay. the Americans, they don't have I any idea what Z means. I apologize for my Belgian <laughs> Who's <Zed>? accent. B Z B Z. Okay. So we'll put the link, and that's an email address for information about screenings yes. worldwide. Okay. Uh, do you give talks? Like, do you do screening events, communities in the yes. States can reach out? How can people we reach out? We do, and we have a publicist, an amazing publicist based in Los Angeles. Her name is Sasha Berman. Okay. And I can so give can... you all the details. And okay, we'll put the link. At Shotwell Media. Sasha is amazing, and she's our publicist, and she's the one who is taking care of all the press before New York and Los Angeles and San Francisco. But look up Speer Goes to Hollywood and the, your first film uh, or the previous film, I don't know if it's your first one, is that was the first one? The, se the, the first um, theater film, the first one was a about TV Olmert. film about Olmert. Which uh, is also interesting. Yeah. One day. Yeah. So the decent one was my first. I hope he's not offended. 
Olmert. No. You made didn't. a movie about him and then you made Himmler and <laughs> Speer. It's like, ah, uh, he's in bad company. <laughs> totally in bad company. <laughs> so The Decent One is uh, about uh, uh, Heinrich Himmler's uh, secret diaries and uh, Speer goes to Hollywood. So guys, uh, check it out. And if in your, if you're in New York, October 29th, the film forum. And if you're in LA, the theater is... The Lemley Royal. Lemley Royal on November 5th. In Beverly 5th. Hills. Beverly Hills. Thank you so much for coming. It was fascinating. Before we go. Yes. Before we go. Arutz Sheva. We are... Uh, we have, this podcast is made in collaboration with Arutz Sheva. It's been a while since we recorded yeah. this. Yeah. So Holiday It takes break. us a minute. Uh, yeah. Arutz Sheva, guys. IsraelNationalNews.com. Check them out. They have great content in English. If you want to keep up with the news in Israel, IsraelNationalNews.com. Also, and the Australian Jewish News. Check them out at ajn.timesofisrael.com for the Australian angle on Jewish news. And last but not least, we accept yeah. donations. So please go to 2NJB.com slash donate and help us out. And also buy the mugs, 2NJB.com slash merch. And that is it. Thank I want so a much. mug. Yes. I'll buy you a mug. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> They're $400. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, thank you so I much. I still buy one. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Thank Bye. you.